again, we're doing a series, Oh, Taste and See, that the Lord is good. And uh, without uh, backtracking and giving any review, we've had uh, uh, a number of different courses from a banquet uh, at the end of each service and an opportunity to sample things. And the Lord's enabled me to tie the message into each particular course. Today we're going to have meat lasagna, and the reason for that is because we're going to go a little deeper and go into the meat of the Word of God. Are you ready? Absolutely. Praise God. I want to start this morning uh, while I'm preaching on the Psalm, uh, Psalm 34, I want to prelude my sermon or or preface my sermon with Hebrews chapter 5, starting with verse 13 to 14. I believe the Apostle Paul is the author of the book of Hebrews. That's my personal opinion from uh, all my years of studying the different epistles. I see very much Paul's flavor and a lot of the revelations that the Holy Spirit had given to Paul coming out in his epistles and likewise coming out through the book of Hebrews. So I will always refer to the book of Hebrews and its author as Paul. And in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 to 14, this is what Paul says. Anyone who lives on milk is still an infant or being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. There comes a time in the life of every Christian, just like in the life of a young newborn, if we're not progressing beyond milk, we will have a serious lack or deterioration of the vital minerals and proteins and uh, complex things that we need to be able to grow and sustain a healthy life. But too often times in the church for the sake of fearing man and not wanting to offend some, we just keep feeding formula, baby's milk, or dessert. But we also need the word of God solid food to teach us, to correct us, and to build body mass, preferably muscle. Paul goes on to say in the same passage, verse 14, but solid food is for the mature. Now, solid food is for the mature, and the mature and solid food is the context, and he says, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. It's one thing to live under the continual grace of God and know that God will forgive us. It's another thing to grow up and start taking charge of attitudes lifestyles, things that we cover up, we know are wrong, but we cover them up, 
things that are contrary to the word of God. I love preaching about the blessings of God. And, you know, God's word talks a lot more about blessings than it does anything else. David came to this realization, and in Psalm 133, he said, God is slow to anger, and his compassion lasts forever. And then he talks about God's sternness, and he says it's short, it's brief. But he doesn't deny that it exists. We need to understand that while the milk is something that we enjoy, it's easy to digest. Solid food takes a little bit more digesting. Cow's milk shouldn't be given to newborns as it's hard on the baby's immature digestive system. Even from one type of milk to another, there are varying degrees and therefore in a newborn is weaned on mother's milk or formula. It's not advisable to give a newborn cow's milk because it contains things that that young digestive system can't break down yet. And it'll put an unnecessary load on the kidneys and actually cause the kidneys to not develop properly and reach their proper function. So even in, in milk, there are varying degrees of milk. In the same way, as a child starts to get a little older, they go from mother's milk or formula to cow's milk onto solid food. Usually, when they're about a year old, they start to make that transition. For the same reason, we don't introduce solid foods to a baby's diet too early as they don't have the capacity to digest it. But here Paul is saying, listen, you've been saved for a while. We need to be able to digest solid food. We need to be able to digest meat. We need to be able to break these things down because they bring certain qualities to our development that are absolutely essential. You just can't keep growing on milk. Can I get an agreement? Absolutely. And so we're going we're gonna to go to uh, the body of our message this morning. Last week I preached about deliverance from fear. And David in Psalm 34, he says, uh, God has redeemed me from my fears. And that word fear, uh, which is used specifically in that context, was the word magura, which meant God has delivered me from the store grain, uh, the granary, the storehouse of my memories of fear. We had a great service last week. How many of you got touched by that word last week? Can I see your hands? Absolutely. And so now, we, uh, last week when I was sharing that message, I quoted Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man proves to be a snare. Nobody wants to be caught in a trap. And we saw that that word fear was just to tremble, tremble, to be paralyzed with anxiety. It speaks of fear as we know in our common language. The fear of man will prove to be, and we found that that word proves to be, actually says 
The fear of man will bring down on you a trap. The fear of man will bestow on you a trap. It'll set you up for a trap. That's what we found last week. Now as we continue in Psalm 34, uh, that word fear uh, from Proverbs 29, can we put it up? Proverbs 29, the word fear is the word kaoda, kaoda. Do we have that? He had it up there a moment ago. Trembling, fear, anxiety. The kaorda of man will bring on you a snare. It'll foul you up. It'll trap you up. It'll hurt you. It'll ostracize you. It'll pigeonhole you. It'll force you into a scenario that will work against you. But in Psalm 34, verse 11, we come back to our main text of Psalms 34. In verse 11, this is what David says. Come, my children, and listen to me. And I will teach you the fear of of the Lord. My message today is called The Fear of Man versus The Fear of God. Unfortunately, lots of times in translation, uh, where there are many words in the Hebrew that describe different aspects of a thing, in English, we just have one word. It's like that with the word love in the Greek. There are many different expressions or different words for love in the Greek. We use the same word love for how I love lasagna to how I love my sons and daughters. There's a huge difference. I love lasagna, but I love God. Amen? And so in the Hebrew, the similar thing, we are, our English language is more limited in its descriptive uh, words. And so in the Hebrew, there are many different words for the word fear. In English, it just gets translated fear. The fear of man is not the same as the fear of God. There are certain similarities, but there are vast differences. You see... The fear of man will make me paralytic with fear and I'll be trembling and I'll be paranoid and I'll be wrecked. It'll cause me to avoid that person that I fear. The person I fear isn't the person I'm going to go to, especially when I fail or when I feel broken. But the fear of God is a different kind of fear. It's a fear that brings reverence and respect. Unfortunately, as I said, in the Hebrew, there are numerous different words that are being used, but they all get translated in the English to fear. You see, I don't fear God the way I fear man. If I were to fear man, and I encourage you not to fear man, be delivered of that. But who we fear are the people we would never go to when we fail, when we're hurting, when we're vulnerable. But because I fear God in the biblical sense, I respect him. 
I revere him. I honor him. I put him on a very, very high place of integrity. And because of that kind of fear, I run to God when I fail. You see? I run to God. If you were to lend me your car, <laughs> when it's not in the pond, and I smashed it, I'd be afraid to come to you. But God, I would be quick to run to. It's a reverence that brings great respect. You see, in the natural, sometimes people interpret leadership that if they can hold a dominating sense of fear over those that are under them, they will respond and do what they want out of the fear of reprisal or retaliation. God gets me to do what he wants, not out of the fear of reprisal or retaliation, but out of the fact that I have great reverence and respect for him and honor the fact that he knows a lot more than me. Can I get an agreement? Amen. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> David says, come. And I, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you about the fear of the Lord. To show you the difference of the fear of the Lord, the word is yera, and it means reverential respect. Reverential respect. It's not something that makes us run from him. It's something that endears us to him. In fact, last week when I was preaching, in Psalm 34, verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he, God, will deliver them. When we respect God's word, when we respect who God is, when we have a reverence that we would not want to offend him or do something wrong according to him. When we reverence him, the word of God says that the angel of the Lord will encamp around those who put a respect and an honor and an integrity on God's word and he will deliver them. Can I get an amen here this morning? Amen. So David says, if we go from verse 11 to verse 16, come, my children, and listen to me. I will teach you of the fear of the Lord. Now listen to this. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. I love preaching messages that talk about who we are in Christ. I love preaching messages about the goodness of God and how he will deliver us, how he will heal us, and how he will save us. But there's also a sobering side to God. And that is that side that causes us to respect him with reverential 
respect. We honor the fact that he is God. And David in this context says, come, let's sit down. I want to teach you about the fear of God. We're never afraid of him as in to run from him. We respect him. And because we respect him, he's the first one we run to. I got to tell you something. David had sinned at one particular point, and God gave him three options. He says, uh, if judgment were to come upon you, which of these three do you want to pick? And one of them was to fall into the hands of his enemies, or one was to fall into the hands of God. And you know what David said? I would rather fall into the hands of God than into the hands of my enemies. David had this reverential respect for God. He knew God. I can honestly tell you, and look, I'm very transparent when I preach and just shoot from the hip and I speak from my own life most of the time. I make mistakes. And I have honestly come to a place in my relationship with God where I would rather go to him and tell him than to anyone else. Now, I thank God I have a good team of pastors around me. Pastor Carlos will tell you I'm like an open book with him. Uh, I, I choose people I know I can trust, and I open up to him, and I am transparent. But as much as Pastor Carlos and I go a long way back, and we have been through many different battles together, uh, not with each other, but as we've had to fight the powers of darkness and some of the side effects and the ramifications, we've stood by each other's back, uh, and we've been back-to-back -back protecting each other. I have a good team, but I would still rather go to God. I have such a respect for God that I know, I know him. I know how he will respond. And best of all, God doesn't react to situations. God responds to who we are and how we got there. In life, the people around us will react to what just happened, what we just did. God doesn't react to what I just did. He responds to who I am and to what he knows about me and how I got there. Can I get an amen? amen? Absolutely. So David is saying, listen, I've been listing all the great things that God has been doing. And we've been having a party, thinking on the wonderful things of God. Let's sit down for a moment and get a little bit more serious and go a little bit deeper. Let me talk to you about the fear of the Lord. If you love life and you want to see many good days, it's important that you start disciplining your life so that you become a producer of righteous behavior. Can you see that? Whoever of you loves life and desires, you want to stay on the right side of the street. You want to 
continue to enjoy the blessing, you want the favor of God to stay on you, then I want to encourage you, if you love life and you desire to see many good days, start pulling the reins in on the things that sometimes get out of control. Keep your tongue from evil. Keep your lips from lying. That covers a lot of stuff, doesn't it? Turn from evil. That covers even more. What I say is one thing, and God will hold me accountable for the conversations that come out of my mouth. He will hold me accountable for the lies. Sometimes we lie to get out of trouble. I fear the consequences, I fear the person, and I lie. Lying is omitting important pieces of information. When you're engaging in life with people and you deliberately leave important pieces of information out, that alters the story. And we do that so that the net result will be less negative against us. Sometimes we lie because we want to manipulate the circumstance and we want people to jump on board on what we believe, but if we tell them the whole truth and nothing but the truth and break it down and make it really transparent, they may not jump on board and agree with us. The news, the media does this all the time. Amen, Pastor Rob. Both sides. Both sides. I'm not having a political shot at one side. Both sides. What is common a man is common a man. And David says it's really important that as people who have a reverential respect for God, that we start to be very careful about the conversations we have that we are very careful that our tongue is a minister of truth. Is Jesus, did Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Is Jesus the truth? Are you a minister of the Lord? A servant of God? Then our tongues need to be messengers of truth even when it means it'll bring accountability back on me. Hello? When I can be truthful, even when it's going to bring accountability back on me, that gives birth to integrity. When I cannot be truthful, when it's going to bring accountability back on me, that will give birth to deceptiveness. Do you know why we don't tell the truth when uh, it's going to bring accountability back on us? Because we fear the reprisal of man. Proverbs says the fear of man will bring on you a trap. And that trap will cause me to say a half-truth, a partial truth, omit an important piece of the truth, and it'll start training me in the way of deceitfulness. You know, the Holy Spirit will never 
embrace lies. But there's another spirit that will. Wow, it's getting really quiet in here. <laughs> you see, the difference between milk and meat is that meat is a lot harder to digest. But you need meat to break it down and get protein so that you can build body mass. And we need the protein of the Word of God so that we can build body mass. It's one thing for you and me to be born again and to revel in the grace of God. But as sons, if we don't go from newborns to ever-increasing maturity, there's something seriously wrong. And we need to be able to go from the milk of God's word to the meat of God's word. And there is an accountability that is required of all of us that we grow in the Lord and the things we did when we were children we don't do as adults in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to hear a good hearty amen. See, I could say amen even when the word of God is slapping me in the face. I've come to learn to love the truth of God because only the truth will set you free. You can comfort me. You can encourage me. You can pat me on the back with a lie and say it's okay, but that's not going to set me free. What's going to set me free is the truth of God's word. Are you in agreement here this morning? So David says, turn from evil. The things that uh, you used to get away with and the grace of God would forgive you. When do we get to the point where we stop relying on the grace of God and we start relying on the power of of this miraculous transformation that has happened on the inside to put aside childish things or carnal things or sinful things and we start training ourselves in righteousness. See, 50 shades of gray will eventually become 50 shades of black. And what we do in secret and what we make justification for will become part of who we are. And so as Christians, it's very important that as we stand on the promises of God and we shout our hallelujahs and thank you, Jesus, and we talk about the miraculous, it's also equally important that we are not just standing on the promises of God, but on the whole word of God. And the word of God includes uh, encouragement to continue in the ways of righteousness. How many of you are wanting some lasagna? See, I'm going to give you time to digest what I've been saying. Where's Omar? Omar's up in the sound booth all the time, and he's constantly missing out on this stuff. <laughs> Praise God. Come on down, Omar. Do you know I have used Omar in a number of illustrations, and at times... 
I've actually spat on him. One time I was preaching on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and I had a a red apple for the knowledge of evil and a green apple for the knowledge of good. Come on down. I won't spit on you. And uh, as I'm chewing on the apples, he's sitting right underneath me, and I'm allowing it to dribble down my face, and it got on his shoulder. So today... I'm going to allow him to be one of the first to taste a little bit of lasagna. How's that? Everybody, put your hands together for Omar. So here we go. It's good to get into the meat of the word. You do eat meat. You eat everything. There you go. There's a man after my own heart. Just like your mother trained you. You eat everything, right? Okay. Mangia, che da fa bene. Eat, it'll do, be good for you. All right. Patty, you want to try a little bit of lasagna? Everyone will get a taste of this after the service, if you want, that is. But uh, has the smell of it wafted through the auditorium? No? Yeah? There you go. Ah, now you can smell it. But they can taste it. Let's see what else David has to say here. Turn from evil. Listen, church. We're coming into the last days. And if you haven't noticed, the principalities of darkness are taking everything that the Word of God says isn't right and is wrong, and they're pumping it through the schools and they're teaching your children. Not only that, they're promoting this stuff on movies. And so our environment, our culture, talk about cancel culture, They are canceling our culture from what it has been with a Christian heritage. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about principalities and powers. And they are bringing new norms that are contrary to the word of God. And we can take the attitude that, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's it's not going to affect me. It will affect us if we're not aware and if we don't take a stand against it. In school, we've all learned about cause and effect. Everybody knows what cause and effect is, right? For every cause, there is an effect. I could take uh, a glass of water here, pour some water in it, and if I were to uh, take some raisins and... For a minute, I thought somebody ate my raisins. Put them in the glass of water, what happens? They just stay there, right? How many of you have seen this before? Nobody's seen this before? Okay, one or two have seen this before. Now, if I take another glass and I put a clear soda in there,
and I put some raisins in here, what will start to happen, please Jesus make it happen, <laughs> they're going to start dancing and they'll come to the top of the water and then as the carbon dioxide is released at the surface, they're going to fall down again and then they're going to come back up to the top of the surface again. Cause and effect. That won't happen in a glass of water, but it will happen in a liquid that has carbon dioxide. That is, uh, so look, they're dancing. You ever seen dancing raisins before? Okay. So David says, come, let me tell you about the fear of the Lord. If you want to have a good life and you want to continue to see good things, I need to let you know something. You need to refrain from speaking evil. You need to refrain from telling lies. These things are going to keep dancing. See, they're still dancing. All right? You need to refrain from telling lies. You need to turn from evil. The reason why I showed you this illustration, that illustrates cause and effect. For every cause, there is an effect, even in the spirit world. We understand the principle of cause and effect in the natural world, but we don't think that it affects anything in the spirit world. And I want to assure you that it does affect things in the spirit world. For example, if we were to turn to Jeremiah chapter 5, I've preached on this passage before, God says to Jeremiah, I'm going to bring judgment to Judah. Jeremiah says, God, don't do that. God says, Jeremiah, these people have forsaken my ways. Let me read it to you. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 5. He says, they have rejected my ways and rejected are ignorant or unlearned of my requirements. So in Jeremiah 5.5, 5, Jeremiah says, I will go to the leaders and speak to them. Surely they know the way of the Lord, the requirements of their God. You see, Paul said that solid food is for mature people and they will be trained by it and it will develop righteousness in them. Here, Jeremiah says, let me go to the leadership of this nation. Surely they know the ways of God and they understand the requirements of God. And the conclusion that Jeremiah came to, and my raisins are still dancing. Look at that. They're going up and down. They're going faster now. Look, can you see that? They're going up and down. That's crazy, isn't it? Right? Cause and effect. The other raisins aren't moving. Jeremiah goes on to say, but with one accord, they have broken off their yoke and torn off their bonds. In other words, they have severed the ties of accountability with God's standard. Verse 6, therefore. Whenever you see a therefore, everyone look at me. Whenever you see therefore in the Bible... I want you to think of cause and effect. Because whenever there's a therefore, there was a cause, and now there's an effect. Everybody understand that? 
Think of dancing raisins, all right? Whenever there's a therefore, verse 6 says, Therefore, a lion from the forest will attack them, a wolf from the desert will ravage them, a leopard will lie in wait near their towns to tear to pieces any who venture out, for their rebellion is great and their backsliding is many. Now listen, I thank God that when we love the Lord and we're respectful of him and respectful of his ways and we slip and fall, there's a canopy of grace. But if I rely on that canopy of grace so that I don't have to take accountability and I keep doing the things that I know I'm going to have to run to God and say, hey, forgive me, and there's this canopy of grace, after a while, you're, that's an abusive relationship. And if God allows me to continue in that style of relationship, He's allowing me to disrespect himself. Can I tell you, as much as God loves you, he also loves himself. And because God loves himself, he also draws boundaries. Every one of us should love ourselves enough that no matter how much we want to love other people, we draw boundaries because we also love ourselves and have to respect ourselves. And so, as God is having this dialogue with Jeremiah in regards to Judah, God says, listen, the reason why this is going to happen, and he explains it in verse 12, we just saw cause and effect. The cause is, even the leadership have abandoned the ways of God, and they've abandoned the requirements of God. Folks, we are tied to our Father through Jesus Christ and the written word. Amen. And we have an accountability to the word of God. And when we fail, we have someone who is quick and ready to forgive us of all of our sins. But if we continue deliberately abusing that grace and abusing that relationship, a lion will be waiting around the corner. Not because God sent the lion, but because the enemy is quick to see an opportunity and he's quick to see an open door. Can I get an agreement here? Amen. Amen. And, and this was the case in the life of Judah. In verse 12, we see the evidence of the lack of reverential respect. In verse 12, this is what God says. They have said about the Lord. They, sorry, they have lied about the Lord. They said, he will do nothing. No harm will come to us. We will never see the sword or famine. David says, we need to have a talk. Come on, let's sit down. I'll tell you about the benefits of God, but I want you to understand something. While he's delivered me of all my fears and he's gone through the granary and the storehouse of my memories, there's something I'll never let go of. I have a fear, but it's a different kind of fear. It comes out of reverence. 
It comes out of respect. And I want to teach you that it's important to have this kind of reverence for God. Because too many people treat him lightly. If you want to continue to live in the land of the blessing, and you want the favor of God to continue to pour out on your life, then come on. Let's refrain from evil speech. Let's refrain from lying. Let's turn from evil. You know, today, through all the forms of media that we have access to, we can pipe anything into the privacy of our house. And what's worse, no matter who you live with today, with all the forms of media, we can pipe anything into the privacy of our mind. Each man and each woman will give an account to the Lord. We are living in the last days. And the principalities of darkness are breaking down all the boundaries of restraint. They are breaking down all the boundaries of righteousness. And it behooves you and it behooves me to understand that when we fail, because of respect for God, we can run to him. I'd rather fall in his arms than anyone else's arms. But out of that same reverential respect, if I need to get counseling so I could break this cycle, I'm going to get counseling to break the cycle. Are you hearing me, church? Come on. Come on. Amen. I told you, today we're getting into meat lasagna. We're getting into the meat of the word. Does God love me any less? Absolutely not. But David goes on to say, and it's very important that we see everything that David says. He says, turn from evil and do good. Seek peace. Pursue it. Seek peace. Pursue it. Fix those relationships. The things that are broken. He tells us to seek it. He tells us to pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, and he will blot out their name from the earth. God loves us, and I'm not afraid of him. I respect him. I hold him in high esteem, and I don't want to disappoint him. Not out, of the, not out of the fear or consequence, but out of the respect of what he's done for me. David says, turn from evil, do good, and pursue peace. If there's a broken relationship, there's no peace. Pursue it. Pursue it. Pursue it. Well, I went to them once. How about a second time? Well, you know, I let them know the first time I forgave them. Oh, how self-righteous of us. 
when we go to people and say, I just want you to know I forgive you. How about going to them with a heart filled with embraces of love without trying to belittle them or put them on the mat for what they did wrong? Hello? Maybe we should have gone with cheese lasagna today. Look, I love the fact that God's always forgiving me. I love the fact that his grace is there. But I never want to get to the place where I rely on his grace so I cheat and I cheat and I cheat. That's not respecting God. That's not reverential fear. There comes a point where each and every one of us have to pull in the reins and say no to what's wrong and yes to what's right. And if we need help, there are people, there are pastors, there are folk that we can turn to to get help. But to just turn a blind eye and say it will be okay isn't always the case. I enjoy the blessings of God and I want to continue to enjoy the blessings of God. And so I will continue to make sure that I keep myself right in his eyes. Can I get an agreement here this morning? Amen. Amen. I know this isn't the kind of sermon that will get you up on your seat and get you jumping and shouting. But you know what? It is the basis and the foundation of why you'll be able to jump and shout because God will always hear the prayers of a man and a woman who seriously is attending to keeping righteousness in their lives. Listen, I am not accepted by God because I'm good enough. He brought me righteousness. I am righteous by faith. Everyone, can we agree we are righteous by faith, first and foremost, without doing a thing? Can I get an amen? Okay. We start there. But what is the righteousness of God like? Is it a label? Slaps it on our forehead? Okay, you're righteous. Here's a label, righteous. I'm going to stamp her forehead with righteousness. That's it. Is that all the righteousness of God is so that when he looks at us, he sees righteousness? Too often, that's all the church has ever preached. There is a power to that righteousness. And when Jesus or when God puts his hand and puts a covering of righteousness on us, it's not just a label on our forehead. It's a transformation that takes place in our heart. Amen. Amen. In other words, there is the power of righteousness. I am the redeemed of the Lord, and I am the righteousness of God by faith in Jesus Christ. But that righteousness isn't just a song that I sing about. That righteousness isn't just a label. You know, how many of you have ever played that game where you wear a card on your forehead and uh, you have to ask questions and guess what's on your forehead. You've ever played that? 
Well, the righteousness of God isn't just a label on my forehead. It's a power working deep within my soul. It's the power of transformation. It's the power of righteousness. God doesn't give titles for the sake of titles. When God gives a title, he gives the power that goes with the title. And so we start with the fact that we are righteous by faith through Jesus Christ. But in that righteousness, it's more than an empty position. It is the power to break away from the things that once had me bound so that now I can live in the way that brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ. So sometimes we need to get into the meat of God's word. I love the fact of grace. Grace takes you from where you are. But faith will take you where you've never been. And faith will take me to a place of realizing there's more than just forgiveness inside of this boy. There's the power of God unto righteousness and godliness working inside of me. Can I get agreement? Come on, let's stand. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. I could have served cheese lasagna today. But I think it was important to serve meat lasagna today. To everyone in here, God's grace is deeper than the deepest ocean. But God's grace makes us righteous. And in that righteousness is the power to say no. In that righteousness is the power that sets us free. In that righteousness is the power to overcome. The enemy is breaking down the boundaries of restraint. The church needs to build up the fortresses of what's right. Society no longer will constrain you to do the right thing. Many years ago, society, there was such a knowledge in society that people restrained themselves from lesser behavior. Those restraints are being annulled. They're being ripped out. You and I have to let the word of God and the truth of the miracle that he has done inside of us rise up so that we become pillars in a world that is decaying. That we become rocks of stability in a world that is losing its foundation. And so I want to encourage each and every one of us that as we move forward in the things of God, you will be able to taste and see that God is good even as you take steps of fixing the things 
that held you in bondage yesterday. As you take conscientious accountability and with humility come before God and say, God, I know I can talk to you about my failures more than anyone else. I've learned in the last 10, 15 years to pray. God, I, I enjoy your forgiveness. I love your forgiveness. But I want to taste not just your forgiveness. I want to taste and see your deliverance, your power of righteousness. I want to hold myself accountable to your word, and I want to change. Thank you for forgiving me. But as much as you give grace to forgive, you give grace to change. And I want the grace to change. Do we have agreement here today? Amen. This is not a word of condemnation, but it is me. You know, when I drink milk or coffee or tea or have a soda, I don't have to chew it. When I eat string beans, I got to chew it or I'm going to choke. And when I eat meat, I got to chew it. When I have soup, I digest it easily. But when I have a big old ribeye steak, every bit of 16 to 24 ounces, I got to sit a while so I can digest that thing. I don't know how to share my heart more openly or honestly. I know that God is never out to wreck us or condemn us. But He wants us to grow. He wants us to change. And He wants us to know that He's with us. And He'll help us and He'll support us. I'm sorry that for so long God's been presented as a God who just wants to kick you in the butt every time you make a mistake. God's not like that. He's full of grace and full of compassion. But here in the American church, we have become so conscious and so reliant on all of that grace that we've stopped taking heed to our lives. And we just go merrily along in our old way. When God wants to take us merrily along in a better way. Amen. Amen. And I sincerely, sincerely mean, if anyone is struggling, we have counselors. We're not here to hear it and tell it. We're not here to shame anybody we want to help you break the things that hold you so that you can run and be free so that you could grow and be strong amen this is this will never be a house of condemnation and i don't care where you fall from if you're willing to take accountability i for one will be by your side to help you back up. 
I thank God that his love and his mercy endures forever. If you believe that, say thank you, Jesus. Amen. Father, as we close this morning, I trust, Holy Spirit, do with the Word of God maybe what I could not do. If I didn't present it well enough, then Holy Spirit, scratch everything I said and re-preach it to each one here today. I know, God, you're not about condemning us ever, but you are about bringing maturity to our lives. Holy Spirit, I thank you. I thank you. And I ask you to work deep down inside of each and every one of us, bringing the fullness of Jesus Christ in our lives. Everyone said, amen, amen. Jesus said this, I stand at the door of every person's heart. If you've never asked Christ into your heart, you need to. It's not about just going to church. It's about letting the king come in and sit on the throne of your life. And if you've never actually asked Jesus in your heart, that's where it all starts. You see, religion tells us to be good, but the power to be good isn't in us. But when Jesus comes and lives inside of us, the power to do better is in us. Amen. While every eye is closed, one last call. If you'd like to ask Jesus in your heart today, whether you're watching online or you're here in the building, just quickly raise your hand. And I'm going to lead the whole church in a prayer. Raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I want to ask him into my life. Those of you that are watching, if you're doing that, God bless you. Everyone repeat after me, Jesus, forgive me of all my mistakes. But most of all, I ask you, Jesus Christ, come into my heart, live inside me, live with me, live through me. I thank you that you love me and you love me a lot. And I worship you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And to every one of us, rejoice. Turn around, look at somebody, say, rejoice. Be happy because Jesus Christ is in you. Come on, say it. Jesus Christ is in you. The, the power of God is in you. And he will set you free. And he will keep you free. Amen. All right. Father, bless the lasagna in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Head on out this way, and we have servers who will be more than happy to serve you.